Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Welcome, as Chris has already said, but uh, I just want to say to people that are listening on the podcast today, uh, a really warm welcome to Living Rock Church, and if you regularly listen to these podcasts, we'd love to hear from you. If you're elsewhere in the country or elsewhere in the county or in the Midlands, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch. If these messages are blessing you, we'd love to be in touch with you. You know, um, God is gathering us around his throne, and he is uh, wanting to lift us into his presence. He wants to open our eyes to the heavenly realities, and um, it's, been, it's been prophesied, it came through tongue and interpretation this morning, that God has a purpose which is to, if I could put it this way, which is to unite and harmonize heaven and earth. God wants to unite heaven and earth. When you read the first verse of the Bible, it tells us that God's, God has expressed himself in a twofold creation. He created the heavens and the earth. They are expressions of God. Both the heavens and the earth are a a representation, are an expression, are an outpouring of God. And I believe his purpose is to, I know his purpose is to, is to harmonize and unite heaven and earth. Back in Genesis, there's there's a picture when Jacob has his dream, isn't there, of that ladder that um, goes from heaven to earth. It's, it's a very early indication that actually that's what God wants. Wow. Connection between heaven and earth. Whoa. You know, when they built the Tower of Babel, they, they had a, a good idea, but they were, they were in the wrong place. They wanted to reach to heaven, and, and, and that, that just expresses the heart of all, of all mankind, really. But at that time, they were, um, it, it was, uh, they, were, they were not ready to make that journey. Jacob has the dream, describes heaven and earth being connected. In Matthew chapter 1, we read of Jesus um, coming from heaven to earth. Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 28, we read of Jesus being lifted up and taken into heaven. It's like a fulfillment of of something that happened in the Old Testament when Elijah was taken up into heaven. Do you remember? And and Elisha sees him go. And there's a moment where, and and it's described in physical ways, that the clouds were parted and and Elisha saw into heaven. It's always God's heart to harmonize heaven and earth. Jesus went up into heaven and the angels said to the disciples, just as you've seen him go, he will return. In Acts Uh, Chapter 2, the next chapter, Jesus, from his glorified um, 
position in heaven pours out the Spirit. Wow. And the Spirit comes to, again, bring, bring a harmony between heaven and earth. There's another realm, folks. And it's much closer than you realize. It isn't physically up and down, but there are, there are ins and outs. Heaven and earth. That's the way we can imagine it, but we mustn't get locked into thinking of things in physical terms only. And you know, the one who links heaven and earth, the one who has a ministry around the throne in heaven and upon the earth in this age is the Holy Spirit. He's the one in this age who is both ministering around the throne. Somebody read, read the verse earlier on of, of his ministry around the throne. But he's also the one who has come to inhabit the earth. Jesus said, it's better that I go. I'm going to send one who will be with you, remain with you forever. The Holy Spirit. And um, I believe the Spirit of God is... Has, his, has a ministry of linking and harmonizing heaven and earth and wants to bring that harmony centered in his church. That's what Jacob's dream is all about. He names the place Bethel. Hallelujah, the house of God. So I wanted to share this morning in the context of, of the Lord lifting us into his presence of of us seeing and beginning to understand more of the throne room concerning the supernatural church and to say four things that I, I can't say I have learned them, four things I am learning about the Holy Spirit. I trust we'll all be blessed. The first thing I want to say, the Holy Spirit is an awesome creator. Oh, yes. Would you turn with me to those first verses in the Bible that I m mentioned? The Holy Spirit is an awesome creator. I don't think it's wise to, to necessarily try and separate all the activity of the Godhead. Um, Genesis 1 clearly tells us that God is creating. Colossians tells us that everything was made through Christ. Um, but, but, but integral uh, and, and, and um, inextricably part of God's creative work is the role of the Spirit. Genesis 1, 1 says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's his, the, this twofold expression of God. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And it doesn't say this, but I believe that's when the Spirit, who had been hovering, received his instruction and rushed in to create life, to bring life, to effect God's creation. When you come right to the last chapter of the Bible in Revelation 22, we read that um, verse 17, the spirit and the bride, for now the ministry of the spirit and the ministry of the bride are in perfect harmony. 
the Spirit and the bride say, come. Anyone who hears should say, come. And the one who is thirsty should come. And whoever desires should take the living water as a free gift. The beginning, the Spirit is is hovering, waiting, uh, responsive to the very Word of God to create life. And at the end, the Spirit, now with the bride alongside, because harmony has come, is inviting the whole world to come and receive life. From first to last, the Holy Spirit is an awesome creator. He brings, he creates, he offers, he invites us into dynamic life. Don't you think that the Holy Spirit is at the heart of every creative, supernatural act? Everything that, everything that comes into being, everything that's birthed, is a work of the Spirit. He's there at the start of creation, at the birth of creation. He was, he was, um, he was the one through whom Mary conceived. He was, he was the one who brought birth to Christ, if I could put it that way, to the, to the, to the God, the man. At the beginning of Christ's, uh, Christ's public ministry, the Spirit descended on him as a dove. He was there bringing birth to Christ's supernatural ministry. You know, I believe every, every creative thought, every good and godly creative thought or idea or concept that's ever come to you, every time you felt pregnant with something creative is a work of the Spirit. He's an awesome creator. And he creates the church. In the book of Acts, and you know these verses well, there we hang our um, we hang our rock solid and our belonging courses and, and, and our invitation to people into the church upon these verses in Acts chapter two, when the Spirit has been poured out and the crowd asked Peter, "What what should we do if Jesus is the Messiah and Christ? What should we do?" And and Peter Peter gives three things that are essential for us to come into Christ, come into his church, he says, you must repent. You know, that's the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one that convicts us of sin. The Spirit is involved in bringing us to repentance. Then he says, uh, be baptized. That's the work of the Spirit. Because the Spirit is the one who, who leads us and enables us to be obedient to that command, to be baptized. And then he says, you will receive the fullness, the power, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Obviously, that's a work of the Spirit and a work of the Father, and a work of the Son. But the Spirit of God is is the one who brings us into the church, who creates the church by convicting of sin, by enabling obedience, by empowering us with himself. John 3, when Jesus is asked by Nicodemus, "How, how um, how can I come into the kingdom of God? Jesus says, nobody can enter the kingdom unless he's born from above. This is a work of the Spirit, as we're born from above. In in 1 Corinthians 12, um, Paul writes and he says, we have been baptized by one Spirit into one body. The Spirit creates the church as he leads us to to repent and be baptized and fills us with his power. We are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. 
The church, Ephesians says, is God's creation, his masterpiece, his handiwork. And it's all a work of the Spirit. When um, John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus, as you know, he, he, he says, and all the Gospels record this, that there's one coming after me. He's far more powerful. I'm not worthy to even untie his sandals. Uh, and I'm baptizing you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, if you just turn there. Acts chapter 1, verse. Well, let's read from the beginning. I, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after he'd given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he'd chosen. And after he suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time are you, going to are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? It's not for you to know times or periods that the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We'll come back to those verses. At Pentecost, that promise was fulfilled. And on that day, thousands repented and were baptized and received the Spirit and a supernatural church was born. Wow. Ever since then, nobody has come into the church. That church is still growing. That church is still growing. And nobody has come in except by a work of the Spirit. Probably told you this before, but when we, when we uh, first planted in Market Harbor, one of the local pastors um, met him to talk about what our thoughts were and, and he said, um, he said oh, I think it's great. He said, Harbour needs a full-on charismatic church. I was blessed but I also wondered what other kind of church there was. I don't know of any other kind. The church is fundamentally, essentially, in its very nature, supernatural charismatic if you like that is the nature of the church if our church has lacks a totally fundamentally experience experientially uh, life in the spirit we're not his church that is the way he's made his church. Everything about the church is supernatural, born from above. There is no other kind in the Bible. There's no other kind that can extend the kingdom of God. He's an awesome creator. And he's creating the church. But be warned. He's really creative. 
He's very, very creative. And his ministry is to link heaven and earth. To bring harmony between heaven and earth. To express heaven on earth in the church. Through the church. And therefore, he will do things we've never seen. Never imagined. Paul writes that, doesn't he? Above and beyond all you could ask, think, or imagine. It's not, it's not just more than you can ask. It's not even more than you can think that might not ask. It's, it's, it's not even all that you can imagine but couldn't articulate into a thought. It's above and beyond all of those things. He's really creative. He'll do things we've never seen, never imagined, things we've never expected. And here's the warning. He will mess with your and my sense of order to bring us into his sense of order. What's neat and tidy to you and I may be really messy for him. And what's messy for you and I may be beautifully ordered to him. Hallelujah. I just want to get us ready for something. He's awesome. He's a creator. But have no fear. Because the second thing I want to say is this. He is a wonderful friend. I love it when, it, when we're in harmony. Harmony between the desk and the lectern. Perfect. He's a wonderful friend. Turn with me to John 14. John 14. These are things I'm learning about him. He's a wonderful friend. When Jesus promises to send us the Spirit, um, verse 15, John 14, verse 15. I'm reading from the Holman translation. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. Come back to that word. I'm sure many of you know it. To be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains or abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you now. And there's other verses around those chapters in John where, where Jesus expands upon that statement. He is a wonderful friend. Did you notice Jesus says he is the spirit of truth? He's a person. This is, this is basic for us, isn't it? But, but I really believe it's just worth saying again. He's a person. And it's vital that we know him, the spirit, personally, intimately, deeply, not, not theologically, not theoretically, not conceptually, but we actually know him as a person, as a friend. Not as a feeling or as an experience, but as a friend. And I've, I've always believed that many... Far too many believers are, are robbed of all that God has for them because either they think he's an it, a force, an influence, a power. He, is, he, he can be forceful. He, he's certainly influential. He's, he's undoubtedly powerful, but he's not an, he's not an it. 
He's a person. And to consider him as an it is, 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 is grieving to God. He's a person. Many people are robbed of, 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 of coming into all that he has for them because they think he's an it. Others experience only a fraction of what God has for us because they embrace so little of his, of his activities, of his ways, of his actions. But he's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's the spirit of God. He's the spirit of Jesus. He is God and he is the one who completes and manifests and imparts. He's a wonderful person. And he wants to be closely, intimately, deeply involved in every detail of my life, every detail of your life. He wants to fill my life with his presence, with his power. He wants to have the closest possible friendship with you and I. The word that Jesus uses, it translated there as counselor, you might have something, uh, you might have the same word, your, your version might say comforter or, or companion or advocate um, or helper. Helper's a great word, isn't it? He's a helper. Yeah. <laughs> He's a helper. He's a great help. <laughs> and he's an intercessor. He, the, the Amplified uses the, the phrase there, an intercessor, or listen to this, a standby. Wow. It doesn't mean a sort of, um, you know, an alternative, not like a, um, an understudy. But it means he's on standby. Yeah. Always there. Your advocate. Your faithful friend. Your helper. Your comforter. Your counselor. The one who comes alongside you to help you. He's on standby. He's on standby. If our focus is, uh, by the way, the, the message calls him the friend. He's the friend. And he wants to be your best friend. My best friend. Vaughan, your best friend. Andrew, your best friend, my friend. He's your best friend. Receive that now. That's a word for you. He is ready to be your best friend. If my focus is, is just on what he does, just on his actions, just on his activities, as marvelous as they are, if that's my focus, my concern will be, how can I get more of him in my life and ministry? How can we get more of him in our church? If my focus is on him, not just what he does. If, my, if our focus is on him, then our concern will be, how can he get more of us? In his life, in his mission, in his ministry. How can he have more of us? There's a world of difference. He wants all of you. All of him. For all of you, the great exchange we began the year with. Hey, listen, folks, but because he's, a, because he's a person, he can also be grieved, quenched, resisted. He is holy, he's pure, he's powerful, um, but there's something of, and it's not like, this isn't a human attribute, but there's something of sensitivity about him. He's not fragile. He's not... He's not um, changeable 
but he's sensitive. And we can cause him grief, sorrow, injury through all sorts of things. Ephesians 4, which is the... uh, In fact, turn to Ephesians 4, would you, because it's a sermon and it's Ephesians. Ephesians 4. Where, um, where it says this, verse 29. No rotten talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. And then... And then it goes on to describe things that can grieve him. All bitterness will grieve him. All bitterness, anger, wrath, insult, slander must be removed from you along with all wickedness. And be kind. Here's a way of avoiding grieving him. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you. There's much more we could say. It's our task to um, close that gap and stay in close, intimate friendship with him. He's a wonderful friend. And then I want to say this. He's not only an awesome creator and a wonderful friend, but he really loves the lost. The Holy Spirit really loves the lost. Just as he loves the church, he loves the lost doesn't want anyone to perish. Jesus came because God so loved the world. You've heard me say this before. Jesus came because God loved the world. The church was the result of him coming. But if I could put it this, he didn't come for the church. He came to create the church. He came to love the world and to draw out of the world a church for himself. He came because Jesus came because God so loved the world and Jesus sent the Spirit because God so loves the world. He has compassion for sheep without shepherds. The Father, the the Son, and the Holy Spirit really love the lost. And if there's one overarching reason why I've been baptized in the Spirit, which has changed my life beyond imagination, sure you could say the same. As significant as coming to know Christ was being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which was another dimension of coming to know Christ. And if there's one overarching reason why I've been baptized in the Spirit, it's to empower me to be a witness. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. That's the reason. That's the goal. That's the, that's the consequence of everything else. Because God only has one strategy for filling the world with his church and filling the heavens with his son. He has one way of doing that, which is to fill the church with his spirit. He fills the church with his spirit so so he can fill the world with his church so that we can give praise to God as we see his son filling the universe. 
the reason I'm baptized in the Spirit, for which I'm daily grateful, is to be a witness. Jesus said, it's better that I go. Wow. It was better that he sent the Spirit because he wants the church to be completely supernatural so that we can complete his mission. I want you to be witnesses. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he fueled that early church, didn't he? The Holy Spirit fueled the fire of the early church. And it says in one of the latest chapters that they turned their world upside down. Do you hear that? They turned their world upside down. Because the Holy Spirit is a missionary. And I think there's nothing he loves more than to get me face to face with people who don't know Christ. There's nothing he loves more, Pauline, than getting you face to face with an unbeliever. Someone who needs him. Because he loves people, because he longs for them, because he inspires compassion in you, he moves you. I believe every day of this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, until Resurrection Day in this coming week. Every day is Resurrection Day. But you know this week, he will be longing to get you, 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 all of us, He'd be longing to get us face to face in the same square meter, in the same little bit of planet Earth, longing to get you face to face with someone because he knows he's all sufficient, he's all powerful in you and through you to reach them and lead them to Christ. I believe we feel his special affirmation and encouragement, his, his advocacy, his comfort, his help, his counsel. We feel that especially when we're in that place of witness, being face to face. You know, in the beginning of the book of Acts, there's a, um, there's a little incident and sometimes you read things in a different version and, and just the words used, the way something's been translated the Spirit can use that to make a point of great significance. And I read this the other day. It's where in, 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 in Acts chapter 1, a little bit later on, when they're talking about how to replace uh, Judas. And in verse 17, um, Peter says, He was one of our number and was allotted a share in this ministry. I thought, wow. These 12 had a ministry um, to represent Christ. Judas, if I could put it this way, he could have stood amongst them when Jesus said, you're going to be witnesses here, there, and everywhere. That was the ministry God had allotted to him. And he goes on to say this. Now this man, Judas, acquired a field with his unrighteous wages and falling head first, he burst open in the middle. Um, parental warning. All his insides spilled out. Judas traded his allotment in that worldwide, global reaching ministry for an allotment. He traded the ends of the earth for a field. 
And I read that, I thought, what a travesty. Let's, let's none of us trade, trade all that God has for us and trade it in for something so much smaller. Don't trade your, your allotment for an allotment. I, I am not allotment phobic, by the way. If you have one, bless you. But don't trade your allotment in the things of God for a little patch of field. Hallelujah. There was a game changer for the early church. Acts 1, Acts 2 changed everything, didn't they? And um, we sometimes uh, might look at these things with um, some uh, holy jealousy. Why was that early church so successful? Well, maybe they had better buildings than us. We know that wasn't the case. Maybe they just had better Christians than us. Looking around the room, that can't possibly be the case. Do you know why this early church saw addition every day and just continued to grow in number every day? was because they lived in the proximity and the power of Pentecost. Every day filled with power, every day living close to what God had done through, for them on that day. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't, you will receive power. I don't want you scraping by in your own strength. I don't want you just getting through. I want you to have everything you need, all of me, for all of you. Amen. And the last thing I want to say is this. He not only is an awesome creator, he's not only a wonderful friend, he not only really loves the lost, but he invites us into a new dimension. And I want you at this moment, please, I want us at this moment to forget the past. Forget every previous experience of him, if you could. I mean, it, we have many, many wonderful experiences of him. But I, I want myself, and I, I urge you as well, forget the past. Because right now the Holy Spirit wants to invite us into a new dimension of life Amen. and power and fruitfulness based on a new depth or a new height, maybe is a better way of describing, of a relationship with him. The most fulfilling life imaginable. Adam was nothing until God breathed into him. The church could do nothing until they'd obeyed that command and waited for power. Even Jesus waited to, until the dove came upon him before he began his public ministry. We could do nothing without the Spirit. Zechariah, the prophet, hears these words, it's not by might or power, it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. And he wants to invite us into a new dimension. I'm going I'm to just describe some things now, and, and in describing them, I hope, I hope like me, you say, that is what I want. A new dimension of, of yielding to him, of ceasing to strive, of not just scraping by, of victory over sin, victory over temptation, of his wonderful indwelling presence that brings deep peace, 
of knowing his guidance, his counsel, his comfort, his leading, his guiding, of reading the scriptures and being led into revelation of deep things, a new dimension, of closeness in worship. He's taking us on a journey, isn't he, at the moment? It's so wonderful. Of real compassion in our outreach and our mission. His character in us, his power through us, all of him, for all of you, for all of me, all his fruit, all his gifts. Don't you want that? Just hands up with me, would you, if you long for that dimension in your life, all of his fruit, all of his gifts, everything we need, participating in the divine nature. Imagine this. Maybe keep your hands raised even. Imagine your neighbor is sick and your best friend fills you with love and faith. You offer to pray for your neighbor and your friend fills you with power and your neighbor is healed and her friend's here and and turn to God themselves. Imagine God wants to save the lady or the gentleman that you work alongside. Or a neighbor. And your best friend, the Spirit of God, has been listening to your prayers. In fact, he's not just been listening, he's been shaping them. He's been shaping your prayers. He's been presenting your prayers to the Father. He's been intercessing on your behalf. And he's heard all those prayers for your colleagues and your neighbors. And therefore, he knows he can rely on you. So he gives you a word of knowledge. Something you could never have known unless he'd spoken it to you. But it convinces the lady you the gentleman you work with, your, your neighbor, it convinces them that God is real and you lead them to Christ. I know your arms are aching, but just keep them up a little bit longer. Imagine we host an event. Imagine we host an event like Easter Sunday or Good Friday Live and you ask your best friend who to invite and because he knows, because he knows the inner longings of all your friends, he lets a name pass through your thoughts. And even as you pray, Lord, who should I invite? A name is in your head. The Holy Spirit. He's not complicated. He doesn't, it's not like a treasure hunt with him. He, he just wants to lead us as speedily as possible into truth. He lets a name pass through your head, through your thoughts. And because you're beginning to hear his voice and know his voice, you trust you've heard him. And you act on it. And you invite your friend and your friend loves the event and is born again and comes to know your best friend. This is the everyday life of the church, isn't it? This is what it should be like every day. Life in the spirit. He links heaven and earth. He wants us to be filled with him. That word filled means right up to the brim with no room for anything else. It means being empty of everything else. It means letting go of everything else. It means dealing with, 
with pride and all ideas of self-sufficiency. It means putting the past behind, putting hurts behind, putting every obstacle or hindrance behind, putting things to death, humbling ourselves, and being filled with him. Nothing else. How full do you want to be? He invites us to abide in him. That's that word we just read, abide or remain. It's a wonderful little word. It has this meaning, to to stay, never to depart, to wait or await for something. On the day of Pentecost, God came down and he began to abide in us. It wasn't just a visitation, he became to inhabit, to stay with us. He's not the guest who's, who's leaving again. He's not written his name in the visitor book because he's off. He's with us. How close do you want to be? That, that word abide has this sense of being on standby. And a life of abiding in him and letting him abide in you is one in which we're always ready. He's always ready, but we're always ready too. Waiting like he was hovering. We're, we're hovering. Anna would say hoovering. We're hovering, we're waiting, we're on standby. And when he speaks, when those names go through your head, when that, when that prompting fills your heart, when that compassion for somebody begins to overwhelm you, you know the Spirit's speaking. And you're on standby to be obedient. He wants us to enjoy this life in the Spirit. He links heaven and earth. He lifts us into the throne room. He opens our eyes. He he awakens in us an expectation to a daily supernatural life. He wants us to be speaking his language, hearing his direction, obeying all those promptings, going through doors. He opens. He wants there to be total harmony between heaven and earth, between the church and the bride, so that his ministry, his his impelling, his, his heart for the lost becomes our mission, our ministry as well. This is the life we were born for, folks. It's the everyday supernatural life of the supernatural church and it can become our natural habitat. I hope that excites you. Yeah. I know holding your arms up was tiring for some of you, but he's the wonderful healer as well. He'll bring strength to your arms. We've got to be careful not to grieve him, not to consider that he will be always meek and mild. He'll be powerful. He'll be decisive. He'll be strong. He'll be compelling. He will lead the way. I do believe these are the greatest times we could be alive, don't you? So much shaking, so much uncertainty, so much doubt so much that's failed, so many opportunities. Do you not get the sense that he's setting it up? He's setting everything up. He's preparing everything for the mightiest move of the Spirit you and I have ever known. That he'll link heaven and earth. He wants us to be on standby because the answer to all the world's longings is a supernatural Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. 
visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thank you.